0: Well hello there, it's time again for the Florida Roundtable. This week's episode, another one packed with a lot of important information, a little bit of fun and entertainment as well. I am Melissa Fox, we're going to be talking about the real estate industry in the state of Florida, also the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and their treatment of children with blood cancer. Very interesting. Did you know that breast milk banks need more breast milk? Yep. We're going to talk about moms uniting for milk. That's coming up. And we've got another wonderful interview. It's about the economic impact of America's hidden water crisis. Did you know There's a crisis about water. Oh yeah, a lot of people don't have any access to clean water. We'll talk about that and more on this week's episode of the Florida Roundtable.
1: Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it.
2: 800 398 0651. 800 398 0651. 800 398 0651. That's 800 398 0651.
3: As a Marine, Jamie's team always had his back. Dr. As a civilian, when things got dark, they still did. Jamie was losing hope when he found the Florida Veterans Support Line. Connecting with his fellow veterans helped him get back on track. Now, he gets to pay that support forward as a veteran care coordinator. Call one 844 my vet Confidential 24-7. Asking for help is hard. Call me. I've been there.
4: The forecast calls for warm gulf breezes blowing through your hair and soft, sugary white sand below your feet. Along with mostly sunny skies on outdoor patios while dining al fresco, cool, colorful street murals mixed with world-renowned art museums, and around sunset, there's a chance of fiery orange skies over emerald green waters. So immerse your senses in St. Pete Clearwater and start planning your beach escape at visitstpeteclearwater.com. St
1: pump it up this summer literally Underinflated tires can overheat and endanger lives whether you're driving across town or across florida make sure your tires are properly inflated damage free and have adequate tread depth the trip to your destination can be half the fun so take your time and enjoy the ride the florida highway patrol reminds you to slow down and stay cool this summer brought to you by the florida department of highway safety and motor vehicles visit flhsmv.gov for more information
0: You're listening to the Florida Roundtable. You know, it's hard to believe it, but it's true. There are places in the United States of America where citizens do not have access to clean drinking water or not even have a flush toilet in their house. Matter of fact, it's a reality. And there's a new report that just came out. It says allowing this to happen is actually costing the U.S. economy about $8.58 billion each year. With us right now, George McGraw, founder and CEO of Dig Deep.
5: Communities in all 50 states, you know, we found that race is the strongest predictor of whether or not you and your family will have a tap or a toilet. So if you're Native American, you're 19 times more likely than a white family not to have running water. If you're black or Latino, you're twice as likely. It is uh, predominantly in rural communities, rural communities of color. um, But increasingly, water systems are falling offline in other places because of economic shifts or climate change. Um, We see it all over the country.
0: Wow. We're talking with George McGraw. He's the founder and CEO of Dig Deep, a national nonprofit that's uh, working to ensure that every American has clean running water and proper sanitation at home. What happens when we don't have these things? What happens to the average family?
5: Yeah, you can imagine that if if your family doesn't have running water, you have to get it from somewhere and it impacts every part of your life. So. You might wake up in the morning and drive to the store to buy bottled water, if you can afford it. And you'll use that for cooking, cleaning, drinking, bathing. With gas prices where they are, that's getting more and more difficult. A lot of families drive to friends' or family's houses to use the bathroom or the shower to do their laundry. Some use truck stops. Many people who can't afford it or don't have a car, they just walk outside their homes to a stream or a livestock trough or a pond or a hose spigot pull out a bucket and that's all they'll use for the day and obviously this has a huge impact on people's health on their economic productivity and on the country at large
0: well aren't we talking about possible waterborne illnesses even mental illness because of what might be in this uh, found water if you will
5: yeah we're talking we estimate about 215,000 cases of waterborne illness one of the big surprises is diabetes tens of thousands of cases of diabetes because people have easier access to sugar-sweetened soda than they do water. Um, 71,000 cases of mental health issues. I spoke to a woman in West Virginia who explained that you know, when she was pregnant with her child, she couldn't figure out whether she could safely breastfeed because the water that she was accessing out of an old mine spring, she didn't know if it was safe, and she couldn't find that information in a parenting book in her local library, and it caused depression and anxiety. Um, this is a... This is a pretty unimaginable reality, especially in the richest country on earth.
0: Oh my goodness, it really is. And you said it affects mostly rural and um, people of color. Uh, those folks. How do we get? How do we get this fixed? How do we access this gap and fill it in?
5: Well, the good news is it is fixable. I mean, you know, Melissa, you probably heard of organizations that provide water and sanitation to people in other countries. There are hundreds of them in the U.S., and we've done that work really successfully abroad. Um, the economic impact study we just published today, it found that for every dollar we invest in these systems, we get $5 back, meaning like if we were to close this gap, we could create $200 billion of value, would be incredible. But that's going to take a real concerted effort. I mean. The the recently passed bipartisan infrastructure law, it doesn't include money specifically targeted at this. It's not going to be enough. We need the White House, Congress, federal agencies, nonprofits, everyday Americans to stand up and to bring this crisis out of the shadows and make a plan and invest the federal dollars that we need to solve it because that's really what it's going to take.
0: So where do we go for more information? Who do we yell at to get this fixed?
5: (laughs) Well, you can find all the information online at digdeep.org. Um, you can find the new report we just published there, it's got some great photos and personal stories. There are some wonderful videos. You can get directly involved in one of our water projects in the area, in your area, maybe where we install uh, taps and toilets in people's houses for the first time. Um, but if this really you know, touches you, if you learn something through this today, I hope you pick up the phone, pick up your social media and share this with friends and family, maybe even call your congressperson. because. We can solve this if we do it together.
0: Yeah, we sure can. Can't believe it that a staggering 1.57 million Americans do not have tap water or working toilets in their homes. That is crazy, and it needs to be fixed. George McGraw from Dig Deep, thank you so much for enlightening us and helping us, hopefully, to alleviate this water crisis problem. Thanks, Melissa. You're listening to The Florida Talk, and entertainment network.
2: Bill, how's it going? I'm fine,
3: Bob. I just wish I were ready for mosquito season. Well, that's why I bought Summit Mosquito Dunks. Summit Mosquito Dunks? Yep, they kill the mosquito larvae before they're old enough to bite. How about that? Well, I guess I'm off to the store.
6: Help protect yourself and your family from diseases caused by mosquitoes with Summit Mosquito Dunks. Available at garden centers, hardware stores, and online at SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. That's SummitResponsibleSolutions.com.
7: How you can make the most of your brain as you age at BrainHealth.gov.
0: Welcome back to the Florida Roundtable. Melissa Fox and my next guest, an expert in the real estate field, representing a fast-growing real estate firm, one of the biggest in the country. Please welcome Brandy Matheson-Klein. Hello. How are you, Brandy?
8: I'm doing great, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: Of course. So tell us a little bit about the uh, real estate and what we're seeing here in uh, Florida.
8: Wow. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, and uh, as you as you know, the last couple of years have been absolutely crazy. Uh, really, if you really unpack it, it really goes back to the last crash in 2008, and. At that point in time, we saw so many foreclosures. There was millions of homes that were on the market.
0: With regards to the market, is it a buyer's market? Is it a seller's market? Where are we at right now with uh, with the whole real estate industry? Well, with the real
8: estate industry right now, we are definitely currently still in a seller's market. The past two years have been absolutely crazy. When you take a look at the amount of inventory that has been on the market, we literally have been about one month on the market in the in the Florida area and nationwide as well, there's been a huge, huge drop in inventory. Now, over the last few months, since April timeframe, we have started to see a little bit of a steady drop and decline in that. And I think a part of that is the, due to the fact of inflation that we're seeing. So when you've got the inflation, we see it every day, and when we're filling up our tanks. At the gas station, when we're buying food, rental prices have gone through the roof and also housing prices have gone through the roof. And so the feds, what they're doing is they feel that they need to be able to control that and how they're going to do that is through increasing the rates. And what what happens when they increase the rates is that has a um, it has an effect on the mortgage rates as well. So mortgage interest rates have started to increase which has really dropped the amount of mortgage application. So what happens is buyers are now starting to tap the brakes. You know, when you're driving into work and there's an accident ahead and all the, all the brake lights start to happen. That's what's happening right now in the real estate industry. So everyone's kind of tapping their brakes right now. Um, nationwide, we're starting to see a definite decrease and we're starting to see that shift in the market. And, we are still currently in a seller's market, so I know we're we're starting to see that shift. It's kind of like when you're on the roller coaster, we're at the tippy top of that roller coaster ride, and now we're getting ready to see a little bit of that shift.
0: Now I know a lot of folks are wondering about uh, new home building. That is that industry any better now? Are the supplies making it, uh, you know, to the the place they need to be, or construction's you know back up? what's going on there?
8: Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, we saw such a shortage of supplies and, uh, you know, the builders, they couldn't keep up with the, the homes. So we are starting to see that level off a little bit, which is a good thing. And uh, we're starting to see that start to regulate and balance.
0: So I see that you work here for uh, Empower Home, Team Keller Williams, Elite Partners, 3 Realty. That is a big name. It's a mouthful for sure. It really is, but it's also a very large and growing uh, real estate firm across the country. I've seen you got uh, properties in Georgia, in uh, South Carolina, I think all over the place. How is uh, the market here in Florida compared to the markets uh, that I just mentioned, as well as the other places you represent?
8: Well, we're starting to see the shift a lot more in some of the other markets. I think that Florida. Uh, We haven't been as affected as much as a lot of the other areas. And I think that some of that goes into play that we have a lot of people that are moving to the Sunshine State. And so the demand is still there, and um, so we are not feeling it quite as much. We are starting to notice a difference. So, you know, three months ago when we were getting 40 offers on one home, now we're starting to see, you know, maybe four or five offers on a home and homes that are being on the market a little bit longer.
0: Wow. Okay. So, um, it's is it a good time to sell? Is it a good time to buy? I've always been under the uh the the idea that yesterday was the best day to start selling or buying.
8: Is that right? (laughs) Yes, that is absolutely true. And uh the 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 short answer would be it is absolutely a very very good time to to sell because as I just mentioned we're at that tippy top of the market Right. right now, and uh but the follow up question that that I would then be asking if I'm sitting down with somebody. Is you know what are your plans after you sell? Are you know are you going to be renting? Are you going to be purchasing? What market are you going to be purchasing in? How long do you plan to stay there? Right. And it's really just peeling back the onion layers to be able to determine what is the best scenario, what are the goals, and and what's the best way to accomplish it.
0: We just in Florida now sort of leveling out to where we should be on the national. I,
8: I think that we are we're, we're right in line with with the national. So the national uh, average. Uh, home sales price is about $405,000. And uh, just from the central Florida area, we're at about 450000 So it's a little bit above average. But if you take a look at all of Florida as an average, mm-hmm. I would definitely
0: say that we're there. Speaking of that, if anyone has any stress or concerns or questions and they want to contact you, how would they get in touch with you, Brandy?
8: We would love to be able to hear from you. You can reach us at 407-986-1571. Or you can also reach us at BrandyHasTheBuyers.com. Again, that's BrandyHasTheBuyers with an S dot com.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for helping us out with the Florida as well as the National Real Estate Outlook. That's Brandy Matheson-Klein. Thank you for being on the Florida Roundtable today. and We hope to have you back again soon.
8: Thanks for having me, Melissa.
0: You're listening to the Florida Talk and Entertainment Network. You know, leukemia is the most common cancer diagnosed in children and adolescents, too, younger than 20 years of age. And treatments for this type of cancer are harsh and often outdated, and those who survive their diagnosis, well, they're at risk of long-term effects and life-threatening complications. Kids are different. They need to be treated differently. And with that in mind, please welcome Courtney Addison and Dr. Gwen Nichols. Welcome to the Florida Roundtable.
9: Thank you for having
4: us,
0: Thank you. Courtney. Tell us a little bit about some of the challenges and the devastating effect a cancer diagnosis can have on a child and the family.
4: Yes, absolutely. Caden um, was diagnosed at the age of three with a rare form of acute lymphoblastic leukemia, a form that only happens in about three percent of cases. And you know, he had to undergo surgeries, several overnight hospital stays, sometimes weeks at a time. Um, as well as a lot of chemotherapy, and, you know, in March of last year was actually one of our scariest hospital stays where he had life-threatening complications um, that had him in the hospital for um, almost a month, and so it's a very uh, scary time for uh, families who are going through this, not just for the kids physically, but um, emotionally um, as well. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a whirlwind experience for the entire family, um, especially my son, Caden. So um, we're happy to announce that as of April of this year he is officially done Uh, with this chemotherapy, Um, but unfortunately there are still long-term side effects um, that we're still dealing with um, as a result of the treatment.
0: So the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, is leading the charge to improve the treatment, the care, and of course the outcomes for children like Caden who have blood cancers. Now Dr. Gwen Nichols is with us, she's the Chief Medical Officer of the LLS. Can you tell us what kind of advances for these cures and such are are we looking at right now?
9: Well, we're very excited because we really do believe that our science can now be used to move into clinical trials that will speed the progress up for children with blood cancers what we've seen in the past is that there's been amazing progress with new therapies for adults, but children, as you said in the opening, children are not little adults, and we can't just use a lower dose of the same therapy and expect it to work as well. We need to tailor our treatments for the biology of the cancer that happens in a six-year-old versus a 60-year-old, and that is part of this Dare to Dream project that we are starting, research to look for more targeted, less toxic therapies so kids can not only increase their chance of cure, but increase their chance of living a healthy life in survivorship.
0: Courtney, how has LLS helped you and your family throughout this experience with your young son, Caden?
4: Yeah, so LLS has um, been a part of our journey um, since mostly the beginning. So a couple of months after Caden's diagnosis is when I was introduced to the organization. And um, one of the things that really helped me um, is the educational resources. So as a mom, watching your son go through this, it's very scary. And you sense feel like you have no sense of control. And so having an opportunity to attend their webinars and look at all of their resources, online was able to help me to feel like I can advocate successfully for my son you know he's three four and five he couldn't advocate for himself so he depended on me as his mom to advocate for the doctors so all of their resources and their educational resources particularly have been absolutely incredible and very helpful um, to me throughout this journey
0: what kind of funding are you guys getting, and how can people help out?
9: All of our funding comes from donors. We have no uh, federal funding. Uh, and so this is a team effort, and uh, we, we depend on people helping us. But we use those dollars to help people who need it. And so I think that it's, it's a great collaborative effort And I think that that's what Dare to Dream is all about, is understanding that if we all work together, we can change the paradigm that has lagged behind for our most precious resource, our kids.
0: Mm, We're talking with Courtney Addison. She's the mother of pediatric cancer survivor Caden. Do you have other children as well? I do.
4: I have a seven-year-old uh, Christian Addison who is the best big brother uh, to Caden.
0: <laughs> oh, fantastic! How about you, Dr. Nichols? You've got some family as well. I hope
9: I do. I have an adult son. I'm proud to say, and uh, and I am, uh, and I am not a pediatric doctor. I'm an adult doctor, but I see that that the progress we've made in adults is not getting translated to kids, and that's why I think this effort is you know, enhancing our efforts is so, so important. We have, as, as Courtney said, we have a lot of amazing resources. They're all free, financial, emotional, educational. And the best way to get those, of course, you can go online. But I'd urge people, if you know someone who could use help, who has a blood cancer, have them call our Information Resource Center. These are health educators and social workers, and they answer the phone and talk. You can talk to a human being about what you need, and that is 1-800-955-4572. And again, it's all free. We're here to help.
0: Oh, fantastic. Ladies, I appreciate you sharing your journeys, your expertise, and more about the LLS, which again stands for Lymphoma Leukemia, flip that, reverse it, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Keep up the good work, ladies, and give my love to Caden. Will do. Thank Thank you. you. You're listening to the Florida Roundtable on the Florida Talk and Entertainment Network. Hey, Tio, ¿qué pasa? Did you get
2: your COVID vaccine yet? Hola. No, todavía no. I haven't gotten the vaccine up until now. Do I still need it? Mm, COVID is still sending people in our community to the hospital. Ay, pero uh, how do you know it's safe? <laughs> I talked to my doctor. But you know what is risky. What, not being vaccinated? Pues Sí.
7: Go to covid-resources.org or call
2: 877-904-5097. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-513-1652. 800-513-1652. 800-513-1652. That's 800-513-1652.
10: Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata. Growing up with a brother with autism, Sarah Crump witnessed firsthand how kids with disabilities felt left out by their peers It's why at the age of 15, Sarah approached her cheerleading coach with an idea to include girls with disabilities on her school's cheer team. Well, what started out as an inclusive high school cheer team in a small town in Iowa has led to what is now known as Sparkle Effect, a thriving nonprofit with over 180 cheer teams across the United States, bringing students with and without disabilities together through cheerleading. The result? More confidence, higher grades, and better school attendance for kids with disabilities. And for those without a disability, new friends and a greater empathy. You wanna learn more? Well, visit disabilitycampaign.org where we have posted a link to the fabulous work known as The Sparkle Effect. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late, we stay informed,
7: To learn more, visit hud.gov fairhousing. That's hud.gov fairhousing. Or call 1-800-669-9777. 1-800-669-9777. A public service message from HUD in partnership with the National Fair Housing
0: Alliance. So pumped up for this interview. I know, I know. You're gonna see what I did there in just a second. You know, nationwide milk banks are experiencing a 20% uptick in demand. Seriously, the former uh, formula the donor milk shortage, it's it's still a thing. And with that in mind, uh Medela, they're a leader in breast pump production. They're spreading the word. We're talking about a month-long pumpathon. With that in mind, Jeff Castillo, welcome to the show. How are you?
11: I'm doing great, Melissa. Great introduction. Thank you
0: for that. Nah, well, you know it is what I do. No, seriously. Back onto the topic. We have shortages of formula and donor milk, and it's really affecting families across North America. So, what? Uh, what's the deal? What's the state of concern? Is uh, is it is it up there? Are people aware for real that we have a baby milk shortage?
11: Yeah, listen. It is. It is very real. The situation that we're facing into. Doesn't seem like there's going to be a short term resolve. We don't know how long we'll be in this shortage of baby formula, but the good news is, Melissa, that there is no shortage of mother's milk. Demand is up as you re- as you said in your opening there's a twenty percent uptick in demand, but if we could direct mothers to this pumpathon to the right places, we could meet that demand. No doubt about it.
0: now, what do you say to the person who says well uh, you know, every woman who has babies should be able to to produce their own milk. That is kind of a myth, right? There are some women who just don't produce enough milk or, or proper milk.
11: Yeah, and that I'm really glad you brought that up, and that is a myth. There's mothers that have premature babies, and we know that that is an issue that we are facing into across this country, and their milk just doesn't come in in time. And there's nothing better than to give these premature babies a fresh head start in life with some method of what we call liquid gold mother's milk so that's one area and there's other mothers that just struggle with their output and need some help and supplementation in these babies as well so there is a demand for this and we need to support these moms as they try to do the best for their babies.
0: so right now folks we're talking to Jeff Castillo he's the executive vice president of the Americas at the Medela uh, Corporation they do breast pump production among other things is that correct what's their main deal
11: yeah, our main, what well, we're most recognized is for uh, breast pumps. We are the most widely used breast pumps among hospitals in the United States. If you have a, a first interaction in any type of pumping in the hospital setting, it will be with a Medilla pump. And we're also very well recognized for our pumps across retail outlets. Wow. So yeah, we, we would be known as one of the forefronts on Mother's Milk.
0: Fantastic. So, Jeff, how'd you get on board here? Uh, I know that you're definitely committed to, to moms and babies and patients and the good, healthy outcomes, but what brought you on board?
11: Well, what brought me on board is I, I always said this is a calling. What we're doing here, it goes up and beyond uh, anything that uh, you could be doing in business, right? We're, we're aiding these mothers to this breastfeeding journey and making sure that we provide them all modalities of help. And now we're aligning closely with these nonprofit milk banks across the United States in, in numerous ways, right? We've created these uh, outputs, you will. One is hashtag MomsUniteForMilk on Instagram, and the other one is MedelaUS.us, where they can come together and find out what ways they can support these milk banks across the country, either through providing milk, and you don't have to live next to a milk bank, in order to provide mother's milk. There's different ways of doing that. And we're providing a 1,000 moms storage bags in order to deliver that milk in a safe, consistent way. And then we're also donating around $25,000 to these milk banks to making sure that we make this as easy as possible and meeting the demand that's out there.
0: So, the current formula and donor milk shortages are affecting families across the United States. I did not know that there were donor breast milk banks, milk banks. I had no idea. And they're out there addressing this milk shortage. So, tell us about first this month long pump a thon. I know you just mentioned there are bags and resources and such. But what what are your goals? You have like, uh, you know, like on the telethon, we're going to reach this many gallons of breast milk by, you know, the end of summer. Where are we on this?
11: Yeah. So, listen, we would love to measure it in gallons if we could. And this it's difficult to do that. But what I would like to do is to make sure that every mother understands that there is options, that this shortage in formula shouldn't keep you back in providing these babies the best possible head start in life. And, and there's around 30 nonprofit milk banks across the U.S. And let me just encourage all moms to look for these nonprofit milk banks because they're assuring that the delivery of this milk is meeting the highest integrity in FDA regulations in doing so. I would caution everybody in joining some of these Facebook pages and such and just try to work with a closely regulated entity like these nonprofit milk
0: banks. Uh, Jeff Castillo is Castillo with us today, executive vice president of the Americas, Medella. They're a breast pump production company spreading the word right now as we have the hashtag moms Unite for milk. It's the Pumpathon, and it's an educational campaign too. We're supporting moms. We're supporting families. And you, you mentioned it earlier about the babies in the NICU. Um you know, they are very susceptible, these little premature infants that are born and these conditions that they can get, like uh, necrotizing, enterocolitis, or, and that's life-threatening internal uh, intestinal stuff. So donor breast milk is so important. But you mentioned very briefly that they test the inventory prior to distribution. Do you know about uh, how what they're looking for and how they do the testing?
11: Yeah, they're making sure that the the integrity of the milk is holistic without depleting any of the nutrients. I'm so glad you brought up all these issues that babies face coming into life. And there's a reason, Melissa, why they call this liquid gold. Their test over test over test is showing that there is nothing better for these babies in NICU and babies in their first years of life than mother's milk. And what we want to assure is that that integrity stays in place. So there's levels of pasteurization that may take place. There's all kinds of things they're testing in making sure that the integrity stays intact.
0: You mentioned that there are approximately 31 breast milk banks throughout the United States. Do you have a number on how much they've collectively collected and dispensed?
11: I do not have a number to that. But what I can tell you is they are meeting the demand with this uptick. We need to accelerate that to make sure that the shortage is not And this is no different than a blood supply shortage at a blood bank, right? We need to make sure that it's there. And, and Melissa, the good news about this is there shouldn't be a shortage. We need to get the message out, and I appreciate you're doing it through your radio show, that we can meet the demand for these mothers that may not have the ability in obtaining formula and or providing their own milk to these babies.
0: So, Jeff, tell me, um, say I'm a lactating woman at this point, and I want to go ahead and, and help out with the baby milk shortage. And I'm nowhere near one of these milk banks. What do I do? Talk me through it. If you go
11: to hashtag momsuniteformilk on Instagram or medela.us, we'll provide you all the ways that you could donate the milk. The good news is, Melissa, you don't have to be sitting next to a milk bank. There is ways that you could support and donate your own milk. And a person like you don't need to be a lactating mom to support these milk banks as well. If you get on those two websites I referenced, we'll tell you ways that you could either volunteer with your personal time and or finances in support of this endeavor.
0: Uh, Hey, by the way, I got a number here. In 2021, 31 milk banks collectively dispensed 9.2 million ounces, which uh, adds up to roughly – 720,000 gallons of breast milk that's up 20% since 2020 and again the demand is rising that's a lot of donations but we got to meet more we got we've got to bring that number up we've got uh, we've got babies here we've got a lack of uh, you know over-the-counter breast milk and formula and oh god please don't make it yourself at home trying some sort of internet or pinterest recipe that's just a bad idea um do yeah. you recommend obviously you recommend uh, the the breast milk it's the best you know, most important thing for babies, especially premature babies um even the full term healthy babies what's the cutoff date though with regards to, to kids when when should we wean them off the teat, so as it is you know
11: that we leave that up to the the individual and, and what they feel is comfortable we We highly recommend anywhere up to two years of the first two years of those babies' life, but it's not what's mandated, we would tell you the the best start is on mother's milk and stay focused on providing that start to all these babies and going back to these these milk banks it's really important that we know that they assure that this milk is being delivered to babies you know melissa there's a whole other market out there of people for for very odd reasons who want to consume other milk mm. and we want to make sure that this milk is getting to the right recipients, and, and that's why we closely align to these milk
0: things across the U.S. This is great. Uh, it's a month-long campaign, folks. Hashtag Moms Unite for Milk, the Pumpathon thon that's going to support moms and families during this formula and milk donor shortage time that we're in right here. Again, for more information, uh, Jeff Castillo, you said uh, hashtag Moms Unite, the number four milk, and also org. Was that right? That U.S us okay fantastic anything in closing that we may have missed here my friend
11: well let's, I do appreciate you putting us on the forefront we can meet this demand let's come together and provide as much of this liquid gold to these babies appreciate it
0: oh heck yeah executive vice president of the Americas for Medela Jeff Castillo thank you so much for bringing this very important breast pumpathon breast milk pumpathon to us on the Florida roundtable.
1: Thank you, Melissa. The 4th of July is a time to reflect on the privileges and responsibilities of being an American. But this is not an easy day for America when it comes to a decline in values, the breakdown of the family, materialism, sexual immorality, and crime. It seems as if we Americans have lost our way. But I propose that our problem isn't that Americans don't care. People care passionately about what they feel is right. But therein lies the problem. We seem determined to do what we feel is right in our own eyes. But the real issue is that we're not capable of doing what is right on our own, no matter how well-intentioned. This is why God gave us the Bible, to teach us His perfect ways. We must stop trying to do what is right in our own eyes and begin seeking to do what is right in God's eyes. It's the key to God-blessing America. This is Bryant Wright, speaking right from my heart.
3: Visit rightfromtheheart.org and click devotions to read the daily devotion and send to a friend.
11: How fast is the Internet at your home, school, or workplace? The state of Florida is conducting an anonymous statewide study of Internet availability through an official Internet speed test. The results of the study will help guide investments to improve broadband speeds around our state. Visit FasterFlorida.org to measure your connection speed today. That's FasterFlorida.org to take the state's official Internet speed
0: test. know I love a last-minute interview I do it's Melissa Fox Florida roundtable always important stuff I try my best to get them in when I can this is one of those sir mystery guest please announce yourself and tell me why you're here sounds like an old game show doesn't it
12: hi I'm Stan Purelway. I'm the president and CEO of the Entertainment Software Association we serve as the voice and advocates for the US video game industry
0: Wow, okay, so video games Um. You know, I, I work in conservative radio And uh, good to meet you, Stan, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah I work <laughs> a little bit jiving And a little bit truth to this I, again, video games, violence that's going on in the world We need to separate and, uh, and conquer So can you give me an idea, first of all How video games, uh, if you will, come into play?
12: Well, first of all it's great to be here speaking to you. Video games today represent the preeminent form of entertainment throughout America. And what we try to do through our yearly study called the, uh, the Essential Facts Report is study U.S. player demographics as well as perceptions of the U.S. video game industry. What we found this year is that two out of every three Americans play video games. That's over a third. That's, that's 215 million people. We also found that 97% of Americans believe that video games can provide positive benefits, which shows that the perception of video games is really on the rise.
0: Mm, Perception, and that's a good thing. Not a bad perception and we Again, I hear so much in conservative radio About video games That's what's going on That's what's causing all the violence And such And yet I feel like the health and wellness area And mental health in particular Is really starting to pick up the ball And run with it So tell us about the 2022 essential facts Things that are going on What's the most interesting results That you have seen That would appeal to our Floridian residents
12: well, you mentioned mental, mental uh, health and mental awareness, and I think that's an important place to start. At a time when mental awareness is front of mind, more and more people who play games find that video games actually provide benefits to their mental well-being. In fact, 89% of people who play games report that video games are an important part of stress relief, and some 91% report that it's important for mental stimulation. Those numbers are up from last year. And I think that really shows the importance and staying power that games bring for people as well as joy. And independent researchers, including at the Oxford Internet Institute, have found the same thing, that games have a wonderful way of providing mental health and mental wellness to folks. One other key finding is that people who play games find it important in terms of developing important life skills, skills like collaboration, teamwork, problem solving, and even things like empathy. because. When you're playing a game as a different character, you just gain new insights into people and who they are. So video games transport us. They transcend race, gender, culture, and provide us with an opportunity to really experience life in different uh, perspectives.
0: So we're talking with Stan Pierre-Louis. Is that how it's going? Stan, I love it. That's nice. It's the president and chief uh, executive officer part that I'll probably stumble on. See? Uh, he's the Entertainment Software Association, the voice, the advocate. Uh, that's what they are for a $43.4 billion video game industry, of which I participate. Uh, I play some lower-level games. I like the nostalgia fact. I like the fact that I can tune out everything else that's going on, even if it's only for a 20-minute period, and just forget about all the the news and heavy stuff that that I personally shoulder when I'm I'm taking care of business here, which is called my career. So when we talk about the, like I got on board mostly during the pandemic, um, has that, and I know a lot of people got engaged, have they stayed with it during the pandemic like I did?
12: Well, video game engagement was always strong, but it really grew during the pandemic. It really surged. And what we're finding is people continue to want to play, but more importantly, people love playing together. In fact, the reason I think games have really been uh, soaring is that more and more games help you play with others. Today, 83% of people who play games play with someone else either in person or online, which is up 18% from before the pandemic. So video games have this way of just bringing us together and connecting us and wanting us to enjoy life in its fullness.
0: So bringing us together, are you talking about the growing phenomenon of families starting to play again, like family game night, except with the video, digital, uh, even the AV, uh, the augmented uh, environment stuff? Is that what's really happening?
12: Like the general trend, families are actually playing more and more together. And in fact, 61% of people say that video games help them stay in touch with family. And that certainly was true in our family, where they have a 15-year-old and he's got cousins all over the country. Being able to play games together and connect really brought joy. Not only that, 77% of parents play with their children at least once a week, which really goes to show how video games really bring people together and also allows them to learn, grow, and have joy together.
0: We, we talked a little bit about how, um, you know, games are becoming more popular, and you said that the, the conception, the way people are perceiving video games is changing. Let's talk a little bit about, and I mentioned that I'm a video player, a game player. Um, what's the misconception out there about the average video game player?
12: Well, today, women represent 48% of people who play games in the United States, which I think surprises people, but it's been a trend for some time. The other thing is video games, the average age is 33 years old of people who play. So again, a misconception people have about who's playing and and what their ages are, but when you talk about age, people 45 and older outnumber those under 18. So games really have staying power, and there's a game for everyone.
0: Ah, okay. Fair enough. A game for everyone. Some examples of popular games, maybe, Stan?
12: Well, right now, every genre is really bustling, um, and, and that's because of the excitement that games bring. With younger and middle-aged players, a lot of them like to play racing games and sports games and fighting games. So games like um, EA, you know, Entertainment uh, Electronic Arts makes the game Madden. And that's actually made in Orlando, Florida. So oh. games like that have seen a surge in popularity. With older Americans, puzzle games um, are more popular. And that's because they report it's more familiar, but also it helps keep the mind sharp. So there's a game for everyone, and all the genres are really bustling.
0: Uh, this is great. We're talking with Stanley Pierre-Louis. He is the president chief executive officer of Entertainment Software Association and uh, they are the voice and the advocate for the huge U.S. video game industry. Did you know that for the last 20 years now, that Internet's not all that new, and neither is gaming. Um, it looks like you've been doing this for quite some time. Uh, get a little background on you, maybe, Stan?
12: Well, sure. Our, our organization has been around for some 27 years representing the video game industry. What I love about the industry is it melds my passion for the art and the skill and the fun of video games with my passion for public policy and just thinking about the issues that video games um, really get to address uh, day in and day out. What I most love is that we get to talk about great games and the companies that excite fans and bring people together to create community because right now you could be playing a game in Florida and playing with someone halfway around the world and really connecting at a at a level of affinity that is matched by no other genre.
0: Wow, that was a mouthful. But I, I, I know you meant every word of it. Uh, you are right. With regard to the politics of, of video games, though, and I've mentioned it a couple of times earlier in this interview, um, where do you guys stand with supporting any sort of legislature? Or, I mean, do you even get involved in that? Or are you like, look, video games are video games. It's not a huge, I mean, where do you guys stand on that?
12: our primary focus is on making sure people understand the value and the benefits of video games and we love promoting what they do to bring people together and to connect people and it does so at every level uh, within families within friends within every structure so we really like promoting the value of video games
0: and with regard to age limits do you prefer that people actually stick with them those uh, limitations and warnings are there for a reason
12: One of the things our video game industry does better than any other entertainment genre is providing consumers, especially parents, with information about age and content information. So there's a system called the ESRB, the Entertainment Software Rating Board, and they provide that information on their website, esrb.org, so that families can make really conscious decisions about what they want to do. And it includes not only the kinds of games and the content, but things like How do I limit spending? How do I limit time? How do I limit internet access on these games? And how do I talk to my kids about video games? And so we really provide information at the granular level and at the broad level so much so that the Federal Trade Commission has lauded our industry as the best among all entertainment sectors in self-regulation.
0: There you go. Get it out there. Let us know. You know, the people don't always know, and that's why I'm so glad to have talked to you today, Uh, Stanley Pierre-Louis. And anywhere we can go for more information, sir?
12: Sure. You can visit our website at VESA.com. That's T-H-E-E-S-A dot com.
0: Oh, perfect. Thank you so much for the impromptu interview on such an important topic. Video games, yeah, everyone plays them. There shouldn't be a stigma. Stan, thank you, and I appreciate your time. Thank
5: you. Work zones present many challenges that require all drivers to stay alert. When entering a work zone, drivers should obey speed limits, avoid distractions, and maintain extra space between other vehicles. It is important to give others room and never attempt to cut off large trucks or buses. Remember, they are not able to stop as quickly as smaller vehicles. As you travel through the state, be prepared to stop, reduce your speed,
3: and move into open lanes as soon as possible. Brought to you by the Florida Department of Highway Safety and
1: Motor Vehicles.
3: Jennifer knows firsthand that not all military trauma is combat-related. As a sexual assault survivor, she left the service and tried to move on, but the depression and nightmares never left. Jennifer got the help she needed. Now, she works at the Florida Veterans Support Line using her journey to help fellow vets find the support and resources they need. Call one 844 my vet Confidential, 24-7.
8: If adjusting to civilian life is hard, call me. I've been there.
12: Did you know the brain develops until you're 25? That means any drugs or alcohol you put into your body affect the way your brain develops. You need your brain for everything you do. Each time teens use drugs or alcohol increases the risk of damage to their brain and body, even death. You have the power to protect your brain. Use the facts about drugs and alcohol to make your future the best it can be. Check out the Your future depends on it. Shortness of breath, patients confused,
8: temp 102. He just had an infection, what's going
7: on? He's becoming septic.
8: Antibiotics started, bed ready, let's move him.
7: In. Infections can lead to a deadly chain reaction in your body called sepsis. Very quickly, sepsis can cause tissue damage, organ failure, and even death. If you know the risks, can spot the symptoms, and act fast, then you can get ahead of sepsis. Learn more at cdc.gov sepsis. My muscles ached. I was tired all the time.
10: My son had a full-blown asthma attack. It came out of nowhere.
7: The unsettling thing about some symptoms is...
10: I had a fever and these terrible headaches.
7: You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite.
10: I had Zika virus from a mosquito. He had a reaction to cockroach allergens.
1: Threats to your health can come from unexpected places. Get the facts. Visit PestWorld.org. A public service message from the National Pest Management Association.
6: You've been listening to the Florida Roundtable, a news and public affairs presentation of the Florida News Network. The views and opinions expressed during this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of this station's management, ownership, or sponsors. For questions or comments, write to Florida Roundtable at fnnonline.net.